If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinz Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show, Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh, yes. La buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent, you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals? Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com Oh, 2020, how I loathed every minute in your company. But I did enjoy the telly that you gave us. So that's what we're going to focus on in this final podcast of our awful year. Matt's here from the north. How are you? Full of cheese. You normally are anyway, aren't you? <laughs> it's uh, Bank Holiday Monday as we record this. so it's are, you, just... are you a cheese board family? Then? I'm a cheese board man, yeah. Full of cheese, pork pies, the normal... Oh, uh... yeah. How much chocolate have you had? I, I don't even know if you've got much of a sweet tooth. I don't think we've ever... Um, I have got a sweet tooth, but we haven't had a, a great deal of chocolate boxes, I suppose, you know, like Equality mm. Streets and yeah. Um, and yeah. We bought all of them and I don't think they've been opened yet. And we're on the 28th. Yeah, so. I think we're the same. I mean, we've gone through like the Marks and Spencer's biscuits. We've still got a couple of them left. I'll be glad that you're not <laughs> coming over. Because if oh. you've gone through them already. What <laughs> tier are you in anyway? You Ooh, tier... tier three currently. What are you? Tier three. Oh, tier buddies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As they say, a little end in tears. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, Definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. So this is the podcast that I look forward to doing every year because we don't have any homework. We can just spout on about the shows we've loved in what has been an extraordinary year for television. I have loved shows this year that are going to stick with me long after the madness and upset of 2020. So that's what we're going to focus on. Now, in a change to our regular format, we have also asked you... The listening public to donate your tens, and Matt well, has been working his socks off over Christmas. To well, it's of... not the lis- it's not the listening public, is it? It's sort of the contributors to the site yeah. and the podcast and yeah. uh, people like that. So we've had nine different contributors in total. Myself and you will be doing our ten, 
in between each number, I will say what was on the con- contributor list. So these nine people, and then at the end, we will put together an ultimate top ten of the year. So um, I will name the people, two of whom you will hear from at the end of this podcast as well. Bit of a yes, we're going to resur- we're going to resurrect. Boxmaster, which is our ultimate TV quiz. Matt's been busy over Christmas. He's yeah. been collating the, the Christmas chart, as it were. He's basically the Dr. Fox. What of have our, you been uh, doing? Oh, um, a chocolate, like I say. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also, we've both read the Boxmaster uh, 2020, a year in review through Boxmaster. How many things that have happened this year on telly? Do two of our contributors uh, remember? That's what we're uh, that's what we're gonna do. The other thing as well is I know what's on your list, but you don't know what's on my list. So, uh, yes. Now let me have a quick chat about that. Why is that? <laughs> why am I? Why do you get to? Well, know because I, I suppose because I'm I I've got to put this in master list together, and also I I think what we decided on was that when we hit a show on one person's list. We'll talk about it then rather than talking about it twice. We've got seven duplicates in total, which tells you... <laughs> is that the most we've ever had? I feel I, like I don't it know. is. I mean, I think... Should we start with your number 10? Because it is also on my list. My number 10 show of a year that's had amazing telly happens to be a show that Matt and I have never d- discussed on the podcast. I've never discussed it on the site. Somehow... It passed me by even when a lot of people around me on my timeline were talking about it, and that is Netflix original Unorthodox. That's at my number 10. Okay, so this was a mini-series on Netflix. It's centred around Esther, or Esty, who is part of the Hasidic Jew community in Williamsburg, New York. She escapes that community after an unhappy marriage to her husband, she flees to Berlin where her mother lives, who is who has also been an outcast from the community for quite a long time. And when she's in Berlin, she perhaps contrivingly meets up with a, an orchestra, a music school. Yeah, who she a group becomes, of musicians, yeah. She becomes enamoured with and we learn more about her musical talent as well as learning more about why she fled and the sort of workings of this very insular community that doesn't like outsiders, does things a certain way and Esty just felt like she didn't fit, she wasn't normal and she yearns to be part of this community even though she is struggling to come to terms with who she is and what it means, what her community means to her and what her new life means and um, how the two mesh and I found it completely mesmerizing I think Shira Haas who plays Esty gives such a wonderful believable mild-mannered sweet performance that you just fall in love with her almost instantly I love shows that can take me to places I've never been before show me communities I'd never even experienced before or heard about before and I found it the most exciting interesting heartbreaking uh, viewing experience and I'm so glad that it's those four hours and it it's pretty perfect I know it's at 10 and it should be higher and presumably it is higher on your list and where I couldn't see the love and affection for the Queen's Gambit this I pretty instantly just found really captivating 
It's in Hebrew, it's in English, it's in German. And I was completely invested. I loved every second of it. Unorthodox is my number 10. You, you've, sto- you've sort of stolen my thunder a little bit on this one. But I think this was on our list of things to go back to, wasn't it? And I think we just sort of missed the boat. But both of us thought we need to watch this before our end of the year show. My brother recommended this to me uh, earlier in the year after him and my uh, sister-in-law watched this. And I I mean, I agree with you. I mean, the, the one thing I don't think you mentioned was this is partly based on a on an autobiography yes. no, uh, by Deborah Feldman. Having looked into it a little bit, I think it's sort of separated, isn't it, the series into two parts. You've got the flashbacks to her marriage to, is it Yorkie, the Yankee? Yankee, Yankee. The, I should the... also say as well that uh, Yankee and his wayward cousin uh, do go to, um, to Berlin mm. to track her down. So it's also a bit of a... Um, like a, a thriller. Uh, sort thriller, of. yeah. As you say, it's separated into the the bits with Esty marrying Yankee, and their sort of unhappy marriage leading up to her leaving for Berlin and the reasons why uh, she left to go, and her in Berlin. Having read about the true story behind it, it looks like the bits of her background and her marriage and her being a young bride and, and things like that, that all seems to be quite true to yeah. her backstory. All the stuff in Berlin is fictional. Didn't yeah. happen. I watched the making of. Right, okay. I just, I, well, well and... I did some reading, you know, that's that. No, I don't. I, don't. <laughs> I read subtitles, I've done my reading. Um... <laughs> I, I really enjoyed all of it, and I agree with you that Shira Hass's performance was excellent. Like you said, it is a world that we've not really seen on screen before. This really backward to an extent. Strict. Strict. No technology, nothing like that at all. Men are the leaders and women just basically are there to make babies and that's it. The stuff in Berlin worked a little bit less for me and I think that possibly because that it was more sort of fabricated. But at the same time, I liked some of the things they did which were different from what you would see on a sort of other fictionalised work. So the sort of premises that she is auditioning to be part of this prestigious music school and she wants to sort of play the piano, has been getting piano lessons covertly that her husband doesn't know about. And then there's a scene towards, I think it's the end of episode two, where she plays piano for her new friends from this music school. And the reaction there is, I thought, completely surprised me. And actually mm. that changes sort of the course of what goes on. And I, I didn't know well, what she going to do in her audition now that this has been said you know and it it did surprise me throughout and i enjoyed the performances from amit rahav as well as as yankee he's been brought up in this community this is what he's been sort of brought up to expect and and then things change for him and he doesn't quite know what to do and he almost looks like a a lost puppy going around Berlin Mm. trying to find his wife and I I just thought it was all really well put together and it sort of stayed with me and as you said at the start here that it is going to be one of those shows that will stick with me and I will reveal later where it is on my list and I will now go to my number 10 shall I which is another um, Netflix sort of coming of age series, a little bit different. Uh, my number 10 is Never Have I Ever. Guys, 
sophomore year is gonna be our year. You can feel it, but we're not cool. Would a not cool person wear one dangly earring? Which brings me to my plan. We're rebranding. I have chosen attainable, yet status-enhancing people for each of us today. Hey, Jonah, you smell great today. It's Forever by Mariah Carey. Oh. You look like an Indian Kardashian. I want to talk about a major event that could happen. Popping my cherry, dog. Oh, Lord. We are smart, and idiots are banging all the time. We can learn how to do it, too. Word of advice, just give up. Oh, yeah? I won't be able to walk again tomorrow because I'm about to go get railed. Peace out, virgin. It was on at a time where I needed a show like this. So this was a comedy drama that was created by Mindy Calling and her, I think it was her Mindy project sort of co-writer Lang Fisher this presented itself as the standard sort of young adult comedy drama life is full of surprises some good some not so much hola it's honey hola it's carolina y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante whether that's in our roles as mothers wives business women or podcasters on our show life in spanglish you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success pero we can use some help oh yes la buena ayuda is welcome y si pasa algo tranquilitos isn't it good knowing that with a state farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals. Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, NM member FDIC. But there was a lot more to it than that. It was, I think, partly based on Mindy Kelling's own experiences growing up as an in American in sort of the American high school student, high school system and balancing between the expectations of her background of her family who were first generation moved from India to America and trying to be an an American girl in modern times. It also was a really great study of grief. The lead character, Devi, had lost her father a year before the events of the series and was struggling to control her anger, hadn't quite come to terms with that her relationship with her father was a lot stronger than that with her mother it was also had an interesting narrative technique where it was all narrated by john mcenroe it was really funny it made me laugh out loud a few times but the characters were also very well drawn there was a brilliant lead performance by an actress who i am still i still don't quite want to try and pronounce her name it's matrey ram ramak rishnan i'm gonna go She um, won an open audition that the creators had set up. And I think it helped that it was an actress who was new to this, brought sort of a fresh energy to the series. And the final episode did get me a little bit emotional. I mean, it's not hard. You know, I tear up at most things, but I really enjoyed this. Initially, was considering not putting in my list because 
it makes it maybe look a bit sort of naff my list if I have a show like this but this was one that stayed with me I really like the music as well I think that was really strong what's the state of play with it is it coming back is it just a they haven't done? announced it yet but they did really again with these Netflix we never know yeah but they reported that it did really well when it was on it got a lot of requests we don't know at the moment, and I don't think Netflix knows. I mean, it says here, at the Q2 report meeting in July 2020, Netflix reported the series had been viewed by 40 million households since its release. So you would think yes, but I suppose production's been halted mm-hmm. on everything at the moment. So, um... But do you feel like it had enough steam oh, in yeah, it? Oh, yeah, definitely, to... definitely. Yeah. It ended on a bit of a cliffhanger in terms of her relationships and things like that so they definitely set up for a second uh, series so um okay so our contributors list if you take mine and your votes out of it number 10 is the crown my number nine is a documentary series that aired on hbo and launched a brand new channel in 2020 called sky documentaries i'm of course referring to mcmillions which is the story of the FBI getting involved when it is discovered that the long-running McDonald's game of Monopoly is being, ironically, monopolised by one man who has rigged the system and who has given out prizes to his friends and, and tickets to his friends so that no, at no point during this long run of Monopoly for McDonald's did a member of the public who ate in one of the McDonald's restaurants ever actually win. It was all controlled by this mysterious... Uncle Jerry character. I have a story for you. This story has got everything. Revenge. Drugs. Greed. Ronald McDonald. Somebody went to the FBI and said, guess what's happening? The McDonald's Monopoly game was fixed. The Bureau thought it was just some BS story. Fast food fraud was not making any list of priorities. Are you kidding me? This is what makes my fun meter go. McDonald's Monopoly game gave millions of people a chance to win. But from 1989 to 2001, there were almost no legitimate million-dollar winners. The FBI told us the game pieces are being stolen. McDonald's was shocked. Conversations on the wiretap were coming in. I'm hearing the name Uncle Jerry thrown around on the phone. We started focusing more on trying to figure out who he was. He's a freaking gangster. Uncle Jerry was getting the tickets and selling them to other people. This is a million dollar winning ticket, and he's got it in a Ziploc sandwich bag that's not even zip. Somebody offers you a million dollars, you're going to take it. <laughs> Unless you got to kill somebody, then you might not, you know, you might not be interested. We had eight original individuals, which turned into 53. The vast majority of these winners, they're good people. One of my biggest regrets has been involved in this McDonald's thing. Yeah. I just wanted a better life, and I feel like this couldn't come to me if it wasn't meant for me. I've lost everything. This thing wrecked so many people's lives. How much bigger can this get? And it would get bigger. How much further back could it go? And it would go back further. But things go wrong. They always do. You can get away with something over and over and over. You only got to be caught once. I loved this because it was equally entertaining. I was really invested in it. 
the talking heads that they spoke to were just fascinating. It was really funny as well. One of my favourite people on TV this year was an FBI agent called Doug Matthews, who at the time of this investigation was young and energetic and enthusiastic about going undercover and investigating this strange case that they'd come across. He goes into the meeting with the McDonald's people wearing a gold suit to kind of impress them. He chases after the fake big check that the undercover team has created when somebody nicks it off the beach. Like all the best documentaries, it goes in places that would be too bonkers for me to accept in a drama or a comedy. But it is such an incredible story that you cannot believe where it goes. cannot believe who is involved and to what level. And the people they speak to, I remember there's a man who knowingly gives one of these fake tickets to his stepson and it destroys their relationship when the police get involved. And I just couldn't get over that. They also hear from Uncle Jerry's family... There's a car accident midway through that I couldn't believe. It just grabs you and doesn't let you go, and I really loved it. It's six episodes. It's still there on Now TV and Sky uh, Documentaries. Do seek it out. If you want something a bit different, a bit fun, I think the documentary that everyone talked about this year was Tiger King, which is equally bonkers and investing, but McMillions is the one that I thought was really well-crafted, really well put together and, and good fun. Interestingly, Tiger King not got a single vote from anyone. It was a moment in time. I think with a lot of these Netflix shows, people gorge on them and they talk about them at the time, but then they just move on to whatever the next big trend is. And when I was putting my list together, I thoroughly enjoyed Tiger King. I thought it was brilliantly bonkers, but I just couldn't justify putting it on my list. I know it's high up on yours. So we will get to talk about it. Well, yeah, it's my number one, maybe. <laughs> <Don't spoil it. laughs> uh, <laughs> um, in terms of the millions, I enjoyed it, but it's not something that particularly stuck with me once I'd watched it. But yeah, it was it was an enjoyable watch, and as you say, it's one of those sort of stranger than fiction yeah. type stories. Number nine on my list is one that you also have on your list, and it's the one that actually, when I got your list, I was surprised it was on. It's High Fidelity. Only number nine. You love that show. I know, but it's been a good year. What can I say? You know. I ran into my ex last night. So how was it, you know, seeing him? You know that scene at the end of Braveheart where they rip all his entrails out and he's like, freedom! But it's like a positive thing, you know, because he, like, inspired his people or whatever? Yeah. Like that, but without the silver lining. bit of everything punk electronic hip-hop rock to put our loud yelp review decently curated cuts unpretentious location owner's a little rude two and a half stars you guys have a bathroom if i let you go i gotta let everybody else go to the bathroom and i can't do that but i'm the only one here <laughs> your ex moved back to new york it's cool he's back in town we were both so whatever about that lily girl I think maybe it was number nine because a lot of it, you know, I'd seen before. Yeah. yeah. And it was a bit of a sort of a nostalgia trip for me. So this was the um, TV version of Nick Hornby's book slash the 2000 film High Fidelity. The lead role of Rob was gender swapped and we had the brilliant Zoe Kravitz in the lead role. 
this was basically a 10-part sort of look at modern relationships as the lead protagonist in the book slash film does rob looks back at her past relationships her top five breakups goes to meet these exes what i really liked in this though was the friendship between rob and her two record store employees uh sharice played by divine joy randolph and Simon, played by David H. Holmes. It hits the same beats as the film and the book do, but in a slightly different manner. When we talked about this last time, you'd only watched sort of half the half the season, so you've obviously yeah. gone back. Uh, Not only that, Matthew, mm-hmm. I said I didn't have any homework. I want, there was a couple of these that I wanted to just check that I, they deserved a place, because as you say, it's been a very good year. And I ended up watching this all again a second time. And I think for me, it is... As you say, the relationships in that friendship group, but also Zoe Kravitz is just so commanding. I think she's incredible. I really like Kingsley Benadir as Mac, the guy she just can't get over. I loved all the music. So many things in 2020 have made me so angry. TV-wise, this not being given a second series is top of my list. I just don't know what it was that people didn't see in this and didn't gravitate towards because hulu has you know a lot of great original shows the handmaid's tale normal people was hulu the great that we're going to be talking about in the first podcast of 2021 they know how to make good stuff and for some reason this obviously didn't resonate with people but i just really enjoy it and it's it's higher up on my list and and the divine joy randolph character who, who was barry in the original source text and was was the character played by jack black in the film and i i just she was a revelation for me divine joy randolph life is full of surprises some good some not so much hola it's honey hola it's carolina y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante whether that's in our roles as mothers wives business women or podcasters on our show life in spanglish you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success pero we can use some help oh yes la buena ayuda is welcome y si pasa algo tranquilitos isn't it good knowing that with a state farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals plus they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs especially when those unexpected turns come up it's the personalized attention you can count on aprende más en es.statefarm.com como un buen vecino state farm está allí well 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 shopping for a car yep carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be oh yeah i got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me doesn't get much smoother than that well i got to browse thousands of car options on carvana all within my budget doesn't get much smoother than that it does i actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range but i was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car it doesn't get much oh it gets smoother it's getting delivered tomorrow visit carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today yeah and and i love this i think possibly again maybe i spoil myself a little bit by watching it over the course of a day as well Mm. maybe that's why it hasn't stuck with me because i didn't watch it sort of episodically or binges uh, don't work people Although saying that, like unorthodox, I binged. You know, binges I binged, work, people. <laughs> I binged quite a few of the things on this list, and actually, anyway, yeah, ignore yeah. me. Um, but no, I, I think possibly because I knew how much of this was stuff that had been recycled, maybe that spoiled it a bit. But Zoe Kravitz, for me, was was excellent. It was one of my favourite lead performances. Um, There's so many strong yeah. female performances, and she should be 
up there with, with the Daisy Edgar Joneses, with the Michaela Coles, with Hayley Squires, and with Shira Haas. She she just commanded that series. She grounded it, and you felt every ounce of happiness and every ounce of pain. And I'm not a fan of the talking to the camera, although I know it's it's important in high fidelity. And I just found, like she was talking to me, I just thought she was brilliant at it. It was so good, and it's higher on my list than, than number nine, mm. as it should have been on yours. <laughs> and, and what we should say as well, and I think importantly in terms of the cancellation, was that it was sort of shunted around a little bit, wasn't it? It was initially yeah. conceived as a Disney Plus show and then put onto Hulu. So I don't know how much care really Hulu had about it. You know, it's mm. something that sort of had been mooted for a while and over here obviously as we talked about when we reviewed it that it was it was on stars play on amazon prime which nobody seems to know exists so but definitely recommend from both of us looking to our contributor list without our input number nine is save me two i I really like the first series this i felt one big plot point which really worked for me which really surprised me but there were bits that didn't. I thought Leslie Manville was completely wasted in her role. I didn't really buy Adrian Edmondson as this sort of big bad of this series. You know, some people really liked it, and I've seen it crop up on a few top ten lists. Emma Cox had it as her number one, and Erin had it quite high up on her list as well. Okay, so Luke, you're number eight. My number eight is a show that we have not discussed on the podcast because it aired just before Christmas, and it is part one of the two specials that uh, Sam Levinson had written because season two of Euphoria was shut down in this new world we live in, and he's determined to do the fast-paced, big crowd scenes and everything we associate with Euphoria eventually, but he just thought, what can I do as a bridge between season one and season two? So what we ended up with is two episodes, and this first one was about Rue talking to her mentor in a diner on Christmas Eve. It's a sponsor, isn't it? A sponsor. And it's just those two in this diner on a dreary Christmas Eve discussing things, him trying to get her out of the funk she's in. You may or may not remember, if you watch Euphoria, that her and, and uh, Jules were supposed to get on a train at the end of the first season. Rue chickened out, and so they've sort of moved on, and, and Rue feels at a loss. She started using again, and it was basically an hour-long conversation between these two characters, and I found it absolutely magnificent. A lot of people are in the other side of the camp. They feel like it's not euphoria it's not the show we wanted, and it was boring. I'm unable to see that point of view. So I'm, I'm interested, because not only have we not discussed it on the podcast, we've not discussed it off the podcast. So I wonder what your thoughts were on this special. I really enjoyed it, but I didn't feel it was sort of top ten of the immaterial. Mm. I think if we'd had both specials, if we'd had the Jules half of the story as well this year, it might be... You know, it might be slightly different. My opinion might be different on it. And as you say, it wasn't the euphoria that people were used to, but I think it still fit in with the canon and wasn't it yeah. was was certainly yeah. a, a bold experiment just to have this two hander between these two characters sitting at a diner talking about their experiences, their life. 
and it's I, intimate, which is one yeah. I always like in a show. Yeah, I mean, it? this this is this was written for you, really. But yeah, I mean, again, like Zendaya is is absolutely phenomenal in this. It worked for the, you know, it was some additional character work. Yeah, uh, that, that was beneficial to the story. I like yeah. the fact as well that they use the diner waitress who I was reading about is a lady who has had addiction problems yes. in the past. And, you know, her contribution to this felt very authentic. I enjoyed it. I thought it was well written, well performed. But it's not something that I would say is one of my favourite TV of the year. And there was also a scene where it sort of breaks away from the conversation and Ali goes outside to make a phone call and because you're taken out of the diner experience you sort of think oh something dramatic's going to happen but no what you see is him he's got all the right things to say to Rue but you see that he himself is not as put together and as well organised as he appears he goes and has a conversation with his estranged daughter and then with a grandson that he believes possibly has forgotten about him because it's been so many years since they've since they've seen each other properly it's a really moving piece of television and you sort of see Zendaya still staring out the window lost in this diner yeah and I'm really looking forward to Hunter Schaefer's Jewels part two because she's co-written that with Sam Levinson and I, I also think because obviously we knew the restrictions that this had to be filmed under I really appreciated that at no point was I aware that they were just in a diner it was just really immersive and really interesting and it didn't feel like oh they've had to do this because of the world we're living in it just felt organic and real and I appreciated it for that so that's euphoria my number eight is another one that is higher up in your list eight and seven it was really hard to organize these really because they could have gone either side but i think my number seven just pipped it to the post my number eight is what we do in the shadows everything's going to be okay 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 we are Nadja and laszlo the human music group laszlo has always been quite musical she's a superb lyricist we're I've been experimenting with humor to drain energy. The main thing is that we all give 100%, except when it comes to donating blood. <laughs> we all have nightmares. Vampires have nightmares too. It's about vampire slayers. Hero. You think they are real? No. How could they be? Just their stories to scare vampires. I'm changing. I'm becoming something stronger. I don't even need to talk someone's ear off anymore to drain them. TGIF. Working hard or hardly working? It's five o'clock somewhere. Hey! You sort of discovered this this year, didn't you? I remember we watched episode one of series one for the podcast whenever that aired and I carried on and I loved season two and then I kept saying to you I can't believe you're not more interested in this show and then eventually as you do in your own time you discovered it and loved it and I bought you a gift for your birthday that you still wear to this day it's really funny it's just that's that's the bottom line I, I, I think this is great I think it's great to have these three British comedians who have had 
different levels of successes over here. Kyvan Novak, um, Matt Berry, and is it Natasha Dimitri? Yeah. Their interplay, their chemistry is fantastic. I think what worked here as well is having the character of Guillermo getting more screen time. And this was also almost his like emotional journey coming to terms with the fact his ancestors were in the Van Helsing family and he's working for vampires, that he is trying to protect his masters from the vampires who are trying to kill them without letting them know that. I mean, we had the brilliant episode with Haley Joel Osman as Topher, the brilliant superb owl party, Jackie Daytona, which obviously is a highlight. You know, I got you, you bought me the T-shirt for Christmas, which I think I might actually be wearing today. Hopefully. Ironically. Um, I'm going to look now. I am, yeah. Why don't you know? <laughs> That's a bit weird. How many layers have you got on? Oh, wearing a jumper as well. Oh, okay. okay. And I can never remember what T-shirt I put on in the morning. Like, come on, it's, you yeah, know, it's, it's past one now. Time. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> throwing on a T-shirt. Yeah, I don't really know what more to say. And I know this is higher on your list. So do you want to add some more? Yeah, I just, I just, I think you summed it up really well. And I think more so this year, it was important that it's just a consistently, properly laugh-out-loud comedy. It's just really fun, and I think even the fact that they do this talking to camera, which we've seen endlessly throughout the years, even that doesn't feel old hat. It feels fresh and organic and real, and I, I just think it's pretty perfect. The thing that that annoys me and niggles me about it is I don't understand why it's not a bigger hit here. It really should be, and I think... As good as it is that the BBC have this FX deal, so it means we get it, and we get it pretty soon after it's aired there, I just think sticking it all up on the iPlayer, yes, it's good because you were able to whiz through it, but it, I don't know whether it, it, it's even known about, and it's one of the most, as I say, consistently funny, always delivers, always surprises, um, shows that no one here talks about, and it's a real shame. I'm going to... The contributors list, their number eight, uh, without our input, is Shit's Creek. You're trying to sort of see what people see in it, aren't you? I've I've not watched an yeah. episode. I think you have to get to season three, though, from what I've heard. And, I don't and where are you at the moment? The end of two, but I think you have to get to the end of three, really, for it to become... <laughs> are, you so are you not... I mean, what what season did they get up to? Because it's the final season, isn't it, this Six. year? So okay. I'll have seen half of it before it gets good at that rate. People who love it. it really love it. They're really affectionate towards it. So uh, you're number seven. It is Channel 4's Feel Good. I'm not seeing someone. Well, I can't believe I'm actually saying those words. I feel like I'm like shaky and sweaty, and I feel like if you're not holding me, then I'm just, I'm just going to float away. Now, May, your father and I want to know if you found a new narcotics anonymous um, meeting. A what meeting? A what meeting? As you know, I am an addict. Oh, Jesus. New me, new life. I have everything under control. Are you guys tired from like trying to do the right thing all the time? When was the last time that any of us felt any joy? She's always had a very addictive personality. I don't know where she gets that from. Well, excuse me, you're not sponsoring me. Isn't there like a, a mantra that I could say or something? Well, I don't know, do I? Um, He's also on my list, but a little bit higher. This is Mae Martin, who is a Canadian comic that I hadn't heard of before. This is her show, sort of autobiographical. This woman, she is a stand-up comic, living in London. She's struggling with addiction. 
her parents played by Lisa Kudrow and uh, Adrian Lucas. They're living in America still. There's there's sort of a life over FaceTime. And she falls in love with Charlotte Ritchie's character called George. Charlotte Ritchie isn't, at the start of it, isn't really a lesbian. And she has a lot of upper-class friends who would look down upon her for that. And it's about their roller coaster relationship and how George grounds May, but also how she comes to terms with what it's like to live with an addict and live with someone who is so deeply insecure. Like we said about what we do in the shadows, the reason this is on my list is it hit me in all the right places. Channel 4 has been doing these sort of comedies with people who are addicts and dealing with it and sort of semi-biographical things, and I haven't found them funny. Whereas this, I found really, really endearing and proper laugh-out-loud funny. It balances the humour and pathos of, you know, May's background, her struggles to keep clean. You've got Sophie Thompson, who becomes her sponsor, the character Maggie. You have these video calls that she has with her parents, with Lisa Kudrow. You know, there's that background there. There's why they had to cut ties with her initially. There's a great episode where they all go to Blackpool Pleasure Beach. As you say, you know, it gets quite dark at times, which is why I liked it and why I placed it ahead of some of the other comedies on my list. And you can tell that this is a passion project for May Martin. It just really worked for me. I really sort of gravitated towards it. I think, as you say, it's got that laugh out loud comedy. It's got that physical humour. It's got those really strong sort of one-liners but at the same time, it's got, you know, these issue-based things that don't overpower it, don't hit you in the face, but are yeah. always there lurking in the background. And that final episode where she relapses does that better than some dramas I've seen. And I, I, that's why I think I really liked it and why it's it's only slightly higher on my list. But I just don't, it, don't it, feel it like it lectured the other you or it didn't no. lecture you or anything. It was just, this is this person, this is how she lives her life. And... There are scenes in that I still think about, like Charlotte Ritchie dressing up, trying to do something kinky and dressing up as a police officer mm. and not quite knowing the etiquette and what to do and what to say. And those sort of things stick with me. And just Lisa Kudrow on the beach going on the ghost train. I just think it's bonkers, but it's, mm. it's brilliant and it's really authentic. And if you've not seen it and you've heard us banging on about it, then now is the time. Now, my number seven is the one that I thought would be on your list, but isn't. It's this country. I love this country, you know I do. But when I was compiling the list, not a lot of it stuck with me. I remember the episode at the train station, and I remember the final episode being really emotional, and it's one of my honourable mentions. But I just found, as you say, it was such a strong year. I think those two were... But then there's the episode, you know, the first episode, you know, with Slugs' death and the letter Mm. and and the the book club as well. You know, there's so many, you know, when you look back at it, you know, I should have revisited it to be fair. Yeah, obviously it's starting with the death of Slugs and and the real life death of Michael Sleggs and, and the way they handled that in the show with this confession letter that led to Kerry and Curtin falling out slightly. This is the final series of this country, and it's a show I think we have really got behind from the start, and I think they really ended on a high. As you say, those last two episodes were some of the best episodes that I've seen. You know, this 
episode, the station where he's literally just them waiting for the vicar to come back from a trip to Bristol and having conversations about things that have happened in the past. There's that great scene where Curtin is trying to give the password to something, to someone over the phone. Hello, Peggy. Okay. Okay, yeah, code, code for the door is, is 2146, okay? <clears throat> 2146. Okay, yeah, get a pen. <clears throat> Hello? Have you got a pen? Yes, I'm still here. 2146. 21, yeah, 46. Two turtle doves, right? One on its own is in number one. Four as in G4. Six as in the number six, spelled S-I-X. No, no, the G, the G was just a, re a reference point to what the number it, two, one, Four six two one four six. No G, no, because it's just it's just numbers on the on the door code. It's the Lissish two one four six two one. Oh, I, sorry, I just, I shouldn't actually having to be dealing with this. The vicar should be back. And then coming into that final episode where it's the vicar leaving you know th this series has been about their relationship with the vicar and him being almost like a surrogate parent figure to both of them uh, and their sort of initial resentment to him leaving and and, and finally encouraging him to go when he wavers slightly i just think they really ended it well it came around in a circle really funny and these characters i think we've grown to love over these three series and i i just think it's was one of my favourite shows of the year, uh, looking back on it, and, and it deserves to be, I think. And number seven on our contributors list is what we do in the shadows, which we've already oh. talked So you're number six. Well, we don't need to discuss uh, it. It's high fidelity. And my number six, which is a lot higher on your list, is adult material. I hope you enjoyed watching this. I really enjoyed making it. The most important word in milk. There may be things at home which seem normal, but in the outside Excuse world, there me? are I work in the only industry in the world where women get paid more than men. That's what you can't tolerate. What? That a working class woman who left school with two GCSEs gets paid three times your wages. Doing something she's really good at. Oh! What happened on that show? What did they do to you? I'm not going to let him ruin an innocent girl who was perfectly fine before she started working for him. We're going to have to take it to court. I put my hand in a blender for you. I never asked you to. The whole world wants her to shut up, and she won't. Have we met before? You're very familiar to me. I get that a lot. A show we talked a lot about this year, because we did it episode by episode, which mm. I think, you know maybe contributes to it being higher on your list, maybe. Because I can remember every inch of that. Mm. Oh, that's the wrong... <laughs> yeah, I can remember every beat of those episodes. Something that did surprise me that I didn't expect. Nobody else seems to have given this a look-in. 
No. It's not on anyone else's list. And I don't know whether that's because of the subject matter, whether it's because it aired at 10 o'clock and people didn't discover it's it. It's on but... the Guardian list, but they did do like a top 50, so mm. most programs were on there. Yeah. You know, because we did it uh, episode by episode, if you remember, there was bits which I wasn't as taken by as you were. There were bits where I felt they went a little bit too far, lapsed lapsed a little bit into cliche, didn't particularly explain everything. And I think that final episode felt like it could have been two episodes. Yeah. It almost felt like they'd, they'd written five, but were only given four. So had to sort of Condense pack a lot in to, to that final episode. But I think, again, as you mentioned earlier, the central performance from Hayley Squire's as Jolene Dollar, this ageing porn star who's trying to balance a life between being a mum and, and being an, an adult film star and everything sort of collapsing around her as this new ingenue becomes part of the scene and she sort of sticks up for her and has to confront her past. There are some brilliant scenes, some brilliant monologues. Kerry Goddemon was Brilliant, brilliant, as this great, brilliant as this disgraced politician this was really well put together the the script by lucy kirkwood and the direction by uh, dawn shadforth were both excellent as is your catchphrase it's a world you don't really see a, mm. on tv depicted in this way well it was fantastical but it felt organic and real and down to earth which is what i appreciated she felt like such a real character that you could believe in her performance was just remarkable, but as you say, so was Kerry Godleyman, so was that of her young daughters. Even Rupert Everett in the bizarre wig that he wore, even that character, I learned to understand and grew on me more. And I love the fact uh, that, that this year particularly, and this show, is one of a few this year where I've watched it and had no idea what the end game is, no idea what the story is and where it's going to take me, but... I just I love the fact that just to go on this quote unquote journey with these people and and I, I could not have predicted at the start of uh, adult material how how emotionally connected I would. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh yeah. I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Deal to not only to Jolene Dollar, but to the world that she inhabits. I thought it was brilliant. And spoiler, it is my number two of the year. Oh. Luke, spoilers. Um, and on our contributors list, um, it's a show I think that you had in your honourable mentions, which is Des. Yeah, you know, in other years, Des w- would be probably on my list. Um, 
but it's just an honourable mention because it, it is a brilliantly crafted true crime drama with some really career best performances from from David Tennant and Daniel Mays and Jason Watkins was brilliant. But this year was just outstanding and it was just a great three-part true crime drama, but it wasn't as good as some of these other shows that I've had to list. So going now to your number five. My number five is Once Upon a Time in Iraq. I'm 33 and I have lived all of this. And there was a gunshot. Then I heard Dominguez screaming. We don't have jobs, we don't have anything. And now you come and you break down our homes? Turn around or else we will engage you. We didn't know they can't read. Mission accomplished. Yeah? <laughs> Seriously? A first-hand account of a war that changed our world. Once upon a time in Iraq. On BBC Two and iPlayer. And it is a five-part hard-going documentary about the war in the early noughties that we all know, we all know the stories, we all lived through it, um, but it is told through the eyes of the Iraqis who lived there at the time. They teach you about what life in Iraq under Saddam was like before the invasion, before the Brits and the Americans got involved, and it paints a story that you, you thought you knew in a completely different way, puts a human face on it. It is not an easy watch, it is not fun, but the people they speak to are really eloquent, really endearing, and I, I just found it compulsive viewing. I just couldn't turn it off. And it really broke me in places, but it's enjoyable is the wrong word, but I did really find it completely fascinating. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend you go on the iPlayer and watch it because it just puts a different spin on a story you you might feel like you know, but you don't. And I think the people that took part in it are wonderfully brave and I just admired each and every one. And even the American soldiers that they speak to, just the way that they were very honest and truthful about the way they felt about being there and what it, and they paint the picture brilliantly and it's, a, it's tense and it's heartbreaking and it's my number five. I've started to watch this because I, I was trying to catch up to see if it would be in my top 10, but I think it's the wrong time to really start watching this documentary, you know, over Christmas. What I've seen so far, I've really liked. And I think, as you said, you know, hearing the stories from the people who were there at the time, who lived through it, who were Iraqi citizens and who were in the army and and they're hearing sort of the regrets of those who were part of the invading forces, those who had their lives changed as a result of it. I liked how they spoke to some of the journalists who covered mm. it as well. Mm. All these clips that they used, everything felt really well put together and really well it's researched really well and, and it probably would be on my list had I watched all of it, but it's good in a way that we've at least got three different ones <laughs> for each other. And and my number five is Feel Good. This is where I, I put Feel okay. Good. So, um, and the number five um, of our contributors list, which we will talk about shortly, is uh, is Normal People. Uh, number four for me was What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. And number four for me is, is something Luke's going to groan at me for, but I really enjoyed We Are Who We Are, which is my number four. 
it aired on was it HBO Max in the States? No, just a, just plain old HBO. Plain HBO, okay. And we got it over here on BBC Three, so it went up all online. Um, and it's been airing. I I I noticed on BBC One it was on around midnight. One day. Weird, yeah. It focused on uh, two uh, children who were both uh, military brats on a military base, I can't speak, in Italy in 2016. (laughs) We had Jack Dylan Grazer as Fraser, who was a 14-year-old. He had quite an anger issue, which was explored over the course of the series. He also started a friendship with a character called uh, Caitlin, who was played by uh, Jorda Christine Simon in her first uh, screen role. Uh, Caitlin had an alter ego uh, Harper, she was struggling with with gender issues, and this is why they sort of struck struck up a friendship. It looked at the the similarities between being on army bases in different countries. It looked at sort of the futility, if you will, of war in a similar way to uh, Once Upon a Time in Iraq did. It was really, I I felt this was really well filmed and really well directed by uh, Luca. Guadagnino, who was the director of uh, Call Me By Your Name. There were similar similarities here, as much as it was a coming-of-age story in Italy. Some of the episodes were really good in the way they just sort of focused on these characters, pointed the camera, and let them be young, really. I, I think it looks at, more so than other teen dramas that we've seen recently, on how, like, when you're 14, you are essentially an idiot. You don't know anything. You think you know everything, but you don't know anything. And I think that is what this captured so well and that's why i was really you know taken by it there are certain episodes in this that will really stick with me so that's why it's so high up on my list one of my bugbears with it was it was either dialogue light and then the dialogue that was there from him specifically as you say i found quite pretentious because he's a smart he's a smart ass 14 year old but- did the dialogue between them change as it went on um i wouldn't say as i say you know i think it was very authentic in the way it portrayed these 14 year olds and i don't want to have another argument with you but why is it being dialogue like why is that because that well because it was just him wandering around in italy just it was like some didn't used to be like that though yeah and i don't see why that i don't understand why that's so much of an issue for you because there's still character development it's just not people aren't talking to each other you know it's a visual medium at the end of the day not really (laughs) (laughs) there's not a lot of dialogue but i liked that i liked the fact that these performances were more physical and i and i don't see why that is a criticism if you like shows that aren't heavy on dialogue and allow the actors to sort of just communicate more through body language then really give this a go um so yeah that's my number four and number four on our contributors list um is inside number nine this wasn't even on my honorable mentions Uh, this year it's the first time that inside number nine hasn't been something i've raved about i think there were two episodes episodes two and three two i liked because it brought back the psychoville characters and three was their take on a kitchen sink drama and you know that is something I gravitate to. And they actually replayed it over Christmas because it was mm. set over Christmas. So they replayed it a week or so ago, which I thought was a was a masterstroke. Yeah, but, I think but, but I, the I, others I don't remember really. Uh, That's the problem. And we said this at the time because we reviewed most of the episodes when they were on. I think they 
tried too hard to focus on that end twist and there were bits mm. i think we liked if you remember the thinking out loud episode for example mm. we liked certain segments of that but and as a whole it, it yeah. didn't hang together and i think that's possibly what they had focused on more and it was the episode as you say love's great adventures which didn't have much of a twist that we we gravitated towards a lot more mm. i'm i'm going to sort of change things up slightly just so we hit a couple of shows at the same time as all the lists so contributors number three we'll talk about well we'll, we'll briefly not even briefly discuss it really because you've not watched any more of it is the queen's gambit was number three you didn't watch any more than what what, you, what we'd watched when we, we discussed podcast, it yeah. i watched again it was the one I, I i was intent to catch up on there was so much hype around it and i thought you know will it be on on the list I enjoyed it. And again, this was a show that benefited from the scenes where there wasn't much dialogue when she was playing the chess. Those were the most intense for me. I really enjoyed the central performance of Anya Taylor-Joy. I I think it was basically a generic sports film, though, having watched all seven hours of it or however long it was. It was someone who had these demons, who had quite a traumatic past a traumatic incident and was using various things to block that out but had to to overcome you know these coping mechanisms to be a great in her sport it was a tired story but told very well well designed well directed well edited a show i liked but didn't love but obviously hit with certain people uh, this year and it is number three on on the contributors list briefly number three on my list this is where i put on orthodox number three on your list is number two on my list and number two okay. on the contributor list which is i hate susie there were some photos posted online it's not me no i wish i was that bit <laughs> So obviously it's not your husband's. <laughs> I'm a terrible mother, terrible wife, slightly above average actress. Hey. I will not play the victim. It is your greatest role to date. Oh, mummy is going to be your princess. Susie. This starred Billy Piper in what felt like a semi-autobiographical role as this ex-pop star turned actress whose life gets turned upside down when there is a leak and some naked photos, of not naked photos, just um, inflammatory photos are leaked from her phone. They are naked. They are naked. They're topless at least, aren't they? They're they're photos of her in a sexual position with another man. And it's about how she and her and her husband and their young son and her manager all deal with the fallout of it. Billy Piper is outstanding in this in this role. I've not seen her in a lot, not being a Doctor Who fan. I never saw really Secret Diary of a Cool Girl. And so this was my first long exposure to her as an actress and I just think she is working on so many levels here. This character is up and down and trying to hold everything together, trying to keep her life on track. And it is equally moving, disturbing, funny, and almost psychotic at points. And it just, just was beaten by adult material. But I think there was so much going on in this. 
the um, supporting performances from uh, Daniel Ings as her husband. I thought uh, he was particularly good. I loved the sort of strange relationship that she has with the person that we don't see in the photos. I thought that was really well executed. I had some issues with uh, Leela Fazard as her, uh, her agent, Naomi. I thought the way they did the story was less interesting because I really loved it when the camera was pointing at Susie and all her struggles. It's not a show you could pin down and summarise very easily if you were telling somebody, watch this, because it's just a roller coaster, a proper roller coaster. You don't know what you're in for. And it's got a musical number in there. Mm. So what else could you want? It was original, I think. Yeah. And, and as you Incredibly. say, it draws on, I'm sure, some of uh, Billy Piper's life experiences. This was her show, and you're right, when the camera was away from Susie, when they were doing the subplot with Naomi, when they were together, I really liked it. I don't quite understand why that was in there, really. It almost felt like it was padding time a little bit. Uh, you know, a, a complete surprise, came out of nowhere, was a, a word-of-mouth hit, so well put together, so original, but yet sort of, you know, you warmed to this character, you warmed to Susie, and you felt for her, despite her, you know, self-loathing. I think that I hate Susie is her saying she doesn't like herself very much. I, mm. I, I, I love the episode where she went back home and you saw where she'd come from, I thought that was a brilliant masterstroke. The final episode where she's doing this voiceover for a central heating company and they want her to be more warm and she can't because there's so much has happened at home. And that final scene, actually, I really liked as well, where she's essentially saved from taking her own life. Yeah, this was just something that I really liked. It was genre-bending as well. It wasn't a comedy. It wasn't a drama. It wasn't... I just love the fact that you'd turn this on, have no idea where it was going to go, what you were going to be faced with. And it, it could do anything and take you anywhere. And I thought she was just phenomenal. Pretty damn perfect, but not quite as perfect as the show I picked for number one. And as you said, your number two was adult material, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Should we go to... So number one on our contributors list without our input is um, I May Destroy You, which you did have down as an honourable mention, didn't you? I feel like I should lose... If there is such a thing as a TV critic card, I feel like it would probably be revoked from me at this stage because everyone talks about I May Destroy You. It is a pivotal moment of television this year, and it is. A lot of it will stick with me, but I, I, at the end of it, it came down for me personally that I didn't enjoy it as much as the other shows I've mentioned. I can admire the bravery of Michaela Cole uh, telling this story. And again, I didn't know where it was going. It was episode to episode. You had no idea what her endgame was, and you were just happy to go along with her. Uh, and it was a completely unpredictable story, and I appreciate that. But at the end of the day, for me personally, I just enjoyed 10 other shows more but it's been an outstanding year, and that is an outstanding piece of television. But I understand my TV credit card probably going to be ripped away from me once I admit that. So I found it quite inconsistent. There was episodes that I loved, and if we were doing a list of episodes of the year, that it may go in there. And it's the same with the Queen's Gambit. You know, there are there were moments in there that I loved. You know, it took me a while to warm to that central character that Michaela. But Cole I think was that playing. was the point, though. I don't think mm. you were supposed to warm no. to her. 
and I think that's something that me and you both go for, don't we? And I, th- I think, you know, I, I don't have to have characters that are likable in a way. You know, we both bring up Succession and, and, and some of the characters in We Are Who We Are you struggled with initially. And that's why you didn't continue with it. But I, I think for me, there wasn't anything about the character that I particularly liked. You know, I felt for her. I felt for what she went through. But uh, you know, ultimately, it's not something that that has uh, again, and it's a criteria that we both got it stuck with me. Particularly, mm. there are moments there, and actually, one of the things I liked about him, the Papa Ezidu character, um, mm. who, who was a friend who who had similar experiences, and and it was him sort of discovering his sexuality, and actually, that story, I think, was the one that I will remember more than the central story in I May Destroy You. And and again, like with I Hate Susie, there was sort of brave narrative beats that it hit, and, Mm -hmm. and it sort of feels very relevant to today, and it was a story that Michaela Cole certainly wanted to tell. You know, you could tell that this was a personal story to her, but these are our personal choice and it didn't really hit for either of us in the same way that the shows we have chosen have and with that we have got the same number one luke how's that i didn't know if you would you know because a lot of times passed i I don't know just because what did you think i would have as number one i thought maybe i'm i hate susie might be your number one i wondered if it would be and you thought Um, this might be number two yeah i thought they might be switched um, Normal People is the show we're discussing. We've both got the same number one. Now, I went back to revisit this just to make sure because I was thinking, is it I Hate Susie? Is it Adult Material? No. It's got to be Normal People because no show this year has hit me like Normal People did. And I will admit, if you listen to the me on the podcast where we discussed it the very first time, I was to use a phrase, lukewarm on that opening double bill. And it's one of those rare cases where it being all available really helped me. It's not something I like as a thing that BBC have done more and more this year, but in the case of normal people, it really helped me and I really found myself not just immersed, but obsessed with the show. And I, I, I think it's one of the most intimate, delicate shows I've ever seen. And those central performances were heartbreaking. I just wanted to spend as much time with Marianne and with Connell as often as I could. And I was literally bereft at the end of the final episode because that was it. I couldn't spend any more time with them. It's just a remarkable piece of work. You know, not a lot happens in the the big scheme of things. There's not a massive, you know, event in the middle that's traumatising or that, that really resonated with me. It's just the piece of drama as a whole is just so special. And just following these people uh, in, in their complicated relationship, it was like I wasn't an audience member, I was a fly on the wall. You know, um, you were saying the other day that you like me. But by the photocopier, you said it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you mean like as a friend or what? No. Not just as a friend. Yeah, okay, I, I thought that might be implied. I just wasn't sure. <clears throat> See, I'm just a little confused about what I feel. I think 
uh, it'd be awkward in school if something happened with us. No one would have to know. <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> All right, what are you laughing for? Nothing. Well, you're acting like you've never been kissed before. <laughs> I haven't. I <laughs> <laughs> don't tell anybody in school about this, okay? Like I talk to anyone at school. <laughs> and that is the power of great drama and great television that you just can ignore the madness that's going on outside your front door and on your news and just be completely immersed in this other world. And that's Normal People is the show that did that for me this year. You know, these are star-making performances from, from Daisy Edgar-Jones and Paul Meskell. You know, it looks at a lot of important issues and mental health, certainly in the, in the last episodes with Connell, you know, d the abuse that, that um, Marianne was suffering at the hands of her brother throughout and, and, and that sort of peaking. You know, it looks at how you change as you, you know, in your adolescence. You know, it starts when they're 16, 17, 18, around that and goes till the end of uni so early 20s how you change and actually the two performances showed that change and I think that's what makes this so special that you just feel like at times you're intruding on this relationship you're part of it and it is very clever that a tv show can put you you know so far into the screen I just I just couldn't stop thinking about it when I wasn't watching it the performances are so delicate and quiet, I think it's absolutely perfect. Normal People had to be our number one show of the year. And I think it's strange because it also landed at the perfect time. You know, we were all in the stage of, of the first lockdown. It was all there on the iPlayer. It wasn't, you know, long episodes. I think they're half an hour each and you could drip feed them. And it, just, it was my escape. Um, that and ER, which I couldn't put on the list, annoyingly. <laughs> I should have been allowed to put ER yeah, on the list. Yeah, I'd say you couldn't. But it is the best of 2020, not the best of shows I discovered in 2020. I, I can't say anything but great things. There's not Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. This Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Even I liked it, but there's nothing. There's nothing for me where I would go, I liked everything, but I wasn't so keen on. And there's normally, as positive as I always am, there's normally a little niggle of something, but I think this is perfect. 
just a couple of people who got in touch on Twitter at Custard TV Pod. Uh, Daryl Miller has said his favourite shows include The Queen's Gambit, so well-crafted and precise, did everything right. Uh, Trigonometry from BBC, engaging authentic characters and didn't rush or sensationalise. Upload on Amazon, smart, warm and had real heart. And Fort Salem, bonkers concept, which worked better for taking itself seriously. At JV4Planet A says Last Tango in Halifax Series 5, a classic and a class act, which we struggled to remember was this year. <laughs> mad, isn't it? Mad. Jez Garrett says The Good Lord Bird, which was on Sky Atlantic over here, uh, is one that hasn't been talked about as much as it should have been. An incredible performance from Ethan Hawke, a 19th century setting with a modern day soundtrack. I, I'd just like to, before we go to this chart, thank all our contributors to the chart and, and everyone who's either contributed to the website or the podcast this year. So the nine people who we put the list together of were, and I'll I'll, I'll go through the names and what they had as number one, because I think that's that's quite fair, isn't it? So we had Imogen Flack, who her number one was The Queen's Gambit. Mo Walker has had as his number one Star Trek Picard. Will Barber-Taylor had as his number one something I had was not aware of at all manhunt deadly game sophie davis had i hate susie's number one sarah kennedy had the mandalorian as her number one uh erin had i may destroy you as number one michael leal so i had i hate susie's number one emma cox had save me two as number one jackson as you would have heard on uh, that previous podcast has better call saul as his number one so our combined top 10 of everyone at number 10 shit's creek Number nine, Dez. Number eight, inside number nine. Number seven, The Queen's Gambit. Number six, Feel Good. Number five, What We Do in the Shadows. Number four, Adult Material. Number three, I May Destroy You. Number two, Normal People. And number one, I Hate Susie. It kind of came into its own at the last five there, didn't it? <laughs> what, that we're, that we're in our the, list? The, yeah. the ones that are in our list. <laughs> the ones I liked. <laughs> but no, that's a, I think that's a good list and shows sort of the variety of what we've had this year, isn't it? And, and as I say, all in all, there was 56 different shows. And so roll on 2021. Mm. I like this because we don't know what we're going to like this time next year when we no. do the 2021. And if there's going to be as much to choose from next year. Next week on the podcast, we will be joined by our contributor, Sarah Kennedy, to discuss a brand new US drama, A Teacher, brand new US drama, The Great, uh, the BBC One's new New Year's Day um, drama, The Serpent, and... Um, What's the other one? I don't know. You, you, I wanted you to remind me that because I'd forgotten as well. What the heck is the other one? Oh, and the BBC have um, acquired a show from Alibi called Traces oh, that yeah. we didn't cover last year, so we'll be discussing that as well. Um, first, though, let's have a bit of bit of fun, bit of laughter with Boxmaster. Boxmaster. <laughs> 
So it wouldn't be the end of the year if we didn't resurrect a special quiz uh, and bring on two of our contributors. Michael Lee, how are you, my friend? Hello, I'm very good. I'm fresh from dyeing my girlfriend's hair. That's how exciting my life is. What colour did you go for? Uh, blue. She's part of the Blue Rinse Brigade. <laughs> she, she secret, she's secretly 82. Now, is that a way of her getting the vaccine sooner than everyone else? <laughs> Sarah, what colour is your hair today? Um, it is magenta. It actually is. I managed to get to the hairdressers just before Christmas. So what did we both do for Christmas? Sarah, what did you do? You had a, a Christmas at home, I'm taking it. That's right. Yeah, me and my husband had Christmas at home. We cooked, we ate, we watched TV. I am now more Terry's chocolate orange than I am human. <laughs> and basically my stomach just desperately needs a rest from all the meat and the cheese. Well, to be honest, it's felt like pretty much all of 2020, really. All the weekends in 2020 where you can't yeah. go out, you can't do anything, can't meet anyone. So it's basically it's pretty much the same. Stay at home, eat food, drink alcohol and uh, cry. <laughs> so why did you dye her hair today? Was there something special about today? Uh, she wants it done for New Year's Eve and basically New Year's Eve we're not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's just a fresh start of New Year. So you're staying in, you're not seeing anybody, but... Yep. The hair is brand new for the new year. Pretty much. It's important to have great hair, even if it's just you looking at it. Exactly. <laughs> so what we're going to do is Matt has spent his Christmas not socialising with the family he was allowed to see, but instead compiling questions for uh, Boxmaster 2020. Michael, you were saying before I hit the record button, you don't feel like you've been that alert TV-wise. No, season. no, it's weird because I was furloughed for about three months and I thought I'd catch up on a lot of telly, but then I had to do home learning. And it's, it's things like um, I May Destroy You. I'm, I've only, I'm still only halfway through that and certain big programmes. Um, so you were the wrong person to semi-volunteer for yeah, that, really, Yeah, yes, I'm an idiot. Um, okay. I think I'm about four or five episodes through I May Destroy You, so I feel we're evenly matched. Yeah, so, so Matt's going to do a load of questions uh, I May Destroy You now. Yeah, well, uh, I May Destroy bit, You is a special category. Yeah. <laughs> bit of a spoiler here, there's no questions on I May Destroy You. So you oh, thank God. <laughs> as this is a festive edition and both of you are equally terrified, you each have an Ask the Host well, lifeline. Luke, you're not hosting this. <laughs> well, I'm the host of the podcast. People know you're more of a sidekick. So you can ask me if you think I will know the answer, but you can only use that once. So use it wisely. And if it's a period drama, don't use me on that. <laughs> Anything else, I'm more than happy to help you with. Should we say ladies first? Yeah, go for it. Okay, let's begin. Sarah, would you like a set of questions A or B? I'm playing this a bit like the chase. <laughs> I am I am as excited as if I was on the chase. Um, I will have set of questions A, please. A, okay. And then, as always on Boxmaster, we've got three bonus questions which are worth six points. And from your your bonuses, you can you can choose between winners or in memoriam. Winners, please. Let's keep the mood light. <laughs> 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 okay, okay, and as ever, as as we mentioned, you've got loot you can use once. 
Okay. Question number one. Nicole Kidman sings what song over the opening credits of The Undoing? Oh. <laughs> I listen to it. I watch the... Well, I watch the first episode. Is it something like Dream a Little Dream of Me? It is exactly Dream a Little Dream of Me. Yay! Okay, question number two. What is the significance of the following question when it was asked in a TV quiz in 2020? In 1718, which pirate died in battle off the coast of what is now North Carolina? So what is the significance of that question? Uh, that was the million pound question from the drama quiz. No, it was the million pound question on who wants to be a millionaire, where Donald Fear won a million pounds this year. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Your first bonus on winners. Girls Aloud's Nicola Roberts won the inaugural series of The Masked Singer UK, but what costume was she wearing throughout the series? Um, she was a bee? She was a bee, or, or queen bee, but we'll give queen you bee. bee. <laughs> we'll give you bee. Um, You're not a nice person, are you, really? I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I've given a bee. Okay. Episodes of which 2020 series each had titles relating to one of the stages of grief? Um, oh, I know this is early doors, but could I ask the host? I was just panicking, then because <laughs> I know this. And also, you could ask the opponent as well. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, sounds like some sort ah, of very clever thought I know it. Luke would have adored. I think Luke I, got it when Michael said it. Yeah, I know oh, it. Damn it. <laughs> I know it, right? So, I am... Fairly confident, although you don't have to go with my answer. You can go with something in your own brain. He's going very Clarkson here. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's uh, Sky's I Hate Susie. Now I think about it, yes, you're absolutely right. I'm going to go with that answer. And you are right to go with that answer. Do I get a point? Because I was really panicking. You get loads of points, Luke. (laughs) (laughs) You, You get all the points. Question number five. Now, I've made question number five on each of your categories. A, the answer is a European country. So, to which European country did Eve follow her husband Nico during the third season of Killing Eve? See, I turned off by this point. Yeah, <laughs> where, where did where Nico he... come from? Exactly. Um, I'm going to say Poland, but with no authority and no confidence. That's a correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm learning by osmosis, I think. <laughs> it's all in there somehow. Okay, bonus number two on winners. Which comedian won the first series of Taskmaster to be broadcast on Channel 4 this autumn? That was Richard Herring. It was, well done. Question number seven. Who replaced... Ardlo Hanlon is the lead of BBC One's long-running crime drama Death in Paradise in February of this year. I ought to know. I'm sure he's very famous and a great comic actor, but I cannot tell you. <laughs> Luke, do you want to answer this one? Yeah, Ralph Little of the Royal Family and Two Pints of Lager and a Pepsi. Oh! This is quite a long, a long-winded question, and and your answer can either be the name of the person or their role. Okay. Who said the following of season four of The Crown during an interview with the Daily Mail? 
It's a beautifully produced work of fiction, so, as with other TV productions, next Netflix should be very clear at the beginning, it is just that. Without this, I fear a generation of viewers who did not live through these events may mistake fiction for fact. Was that whoever is the culture secretary? I'm going to hazard a guess at the culture secretary. Is he Gavin Williams? Uh, it is the culture secretary, so I'll give you the point. It's Oliver Dowden. Oh, See, if he hasn't turned up saying hands, face, space, I haven't been paying any attention to him. <laughs> I don't think he has. Final question on winners. 13-year-old Justine Afanti won which ITV competition series this summer? This is an interesting question because how many competition shows were actually able to run this summer, isn't it? So that surely narrows the field down for me. And yet... I'm still not sure. Was it The Voice, but the kids' version? It was The Voice Kids, very well. (laughs) I was just trying to think of competition programmes where people are separated enough for it to still happen. (laughs) And your final question. During an April episode of This Morning, which celebrity chef almost set fire to his own kitchen when a towel set alight whilst he was recreating an egg McMuffin? Oh, I can see his face. It's the the chap from MasterChef. I can't remember his name at name. all. And it's... Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I can't oh, remember. Don't his worry. Name. Don't apologise. <laughs> um, it's John Tarode. Of course it is. I think of. Okay. Let me oh, just. Talk my husband's going to disown me for not remembering his name. <laughs> okay, you did very well there, Sarah. Uh, as long as I did better than my last showing on your blog, then that on, on your podcast, you know, the, the talky blog. <laughs> <laughs> you got 30 points there. Out of a possible... 39. Ooh! Michael, how, how did you feel about Sarah's questions if you'd have uh, had them? I wouldn't have got 30. I'd have done all right, but I wouldn't have got 30. Oh, I feel like I've laid down the gauntlet now. I didn't I... mean to. <laughs> I've got no hope. You've got your loot card, don't forget. Yes, particularly if it's a question about I hate Susie. I'm the loot card really helped me. In Memoriam is still a bonus round, but you can also choose between that or awards. Awards, let's go for it. Okay. Nobody wants to talk about In Memoriam. I think Luke, I should give you the In Memoriam questions after just to see you know, okay. if you get any points. Okay, so Michael, your first question. Which musician's songs featured heavily in the first episode of The Third Day, with the singer herself making appearance in the show's 12-hour live-streamed episode? Oh, my God, I've never seen it. I should know from the reviews, though. Um... Uh... No, I'm not going to get that one at all. Okay, it was Luke. Florence Welch. Oh, okay. Question number two. Who changed their Twitter handle to Sharon in January of 2020 after a wrong answer given by casualty actress Amanda Henderson on an episode of Celebrity Mastermind? Uh, Greta Thunberg. Hold on. Okay, your first bonus question in awards. In January, Ricky Gervais hosted the Golden Globes. How many times has he hosted the show in total? Oh, I'm just going to guess here. Four? Oh, one out. It was five. 
question number four. The episodes in the 2020 series of which show included Death Be Not Proud, Love's Great Adventure, and Thinking Out Loud? Uh, inside number nine. Well done. In Normal People, which European country did Marianne travel to on a student exchange programme during which she began an unhealthy relationship with a photographer? Um, France? No, Luke, do you know? Italy. Oh, no, good thing you didn't play your Luke card. I remember the photographer. Yeah. That was some Eastern European country, wasn't it? It still wasn't. It was Sweden, is the correct. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Don't play your loot card. <laughs> um, okay, your second bonus on awards. Which feat that has never been achieved by any prior programme did Chits Creek achieve at this year's Primetime Emmy Awards? It's going to be a really rubbish answer. Get have won the most awards. Can you be a little bit more specific? For a comedy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll yeah, give you that. You've got, allow, you've got to allow that. Yeah. You've yeah. It basically that. won every award in that it could have won in its categories. Oh right. Okay. In in total, there are seven awards that it could have won, and it won every one. So yeah, we'll we'll give you that one. Number seven, Hayley Squire starred in Channel 4's adult material this autumn, but who was originally set to star in the lead role? Oh, no. Yeah, you've still got your loot card to play. I think this will have to be the loot card. Okay, I know, Michael, that it is uh, the actress Sheridan Smith. Is it really? Oh, thank God it wasn't. Yeah, Sheridan Smith. Well, yeah, that's right. Well done, Luke. Question number eight. Star of Netflix's Tiger King, Joe Exotic, previously featured in a documentary on the BBC, fronted by whom? Uh, Louis Theroux. Well done, another three points. And your third and final bonus question in awards. Which scene from a show which broadcast on Christmas Day 2019 won Virgin's must-see moment at this year's TV BAFTAs? Uh, I'm going to guess... Uh, the proposal on Gavin and Stacey. Well done. Very, very similar to Sarah's final question. On a December episode of This Morning, which celebrity chef covered himself in his own cauliflower soup after failing to properly secure the lid on the blender he was using? I'm sure I've seen this on Gogglebox. This was definitely on Gogglebox, <laughs> I was going to say. Uh, yeah, no, he does a BBC one. James Martin? Oh, very well done. That is correct. Oh. Was very close. Michael, you got 27. Oh, I'll take that. I'll take it. So, well done, Sarah. Oh, thank you. Amazing. Luke, would you like the the three in memoriam questions? There's three. Okay, we'll do them. Uh, Okay, so... What... Year did Dame Barbara Windsor take over the role of Peggy Mitchell in EastEnders? 94? Yeah, well done. Boys from the Black Stuff actor Michael Angelis, who died in May this year, lent his voice to which children's TV show, taking over from the original narrator in 1991 and staying with the show until 2012? Thomas the Tank? Yeah, well done. 
And finally, uh, medium Derek Akora passed away in January of this year. Which celebrity spirit did he attempt to contact during a live seance on Sky One in 2009? <laughs> Michael Jackson. Yeah, well done, Luke. <laughs> All three. <laughs> what a weird selection of questions. They were great. <laughs> Okay, thank you so much to Michael for um, for taking part. 27 is not bad. I enjoyed the rip-off of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Popmaster, and yeah. the other one. That took off the Chase. The Chase. Oh, you weren't asked whether you wanted questions A or B. That's a good Well, point. no, because Sarah chose A. <laughs> yeah, but we, never, we, we never knew what he would choose. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of how it works. <laughs> now I want A. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we do it again? I'm, yeah, I'm very happy I didn't get B. Uh, there was a okay. lot there that I had not watched. So that is it. That is our look back at 2020. It has been a heck of a time, and we've appreciated every guest that has come on over the course of the year, every interaction we've had, as Matt says. Uh, whether that be just talking to us on Twitter or getting involved with this or helping to write for the site and everything that you do for us is really, really means a lot and is important to me. If I could ask one final favour of the year, it would be to give us a review on the podcast app that you listen to this on. It just helps spread awareness and lets people know that Matt and I are around and we're still talking about telly all these years later since we first uh, found one another. I think this year, early on in 2021, we're going to get to our 300th episode. Mm, Quite quickly, actually. And our 10th anniversary. Thank you for joining us all this year on the podcast. We look forward to speaking to you about those new shows in 2021. Have a good New Year's Eve, Matt. Don't go too mad. Hootenanny and all that. Are they doing that this year? Yeah. Yes, so. Yeah. Tom Jones is on it. He's probably had the vaccine already. Okay, bye. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, Doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today.